Welcome back to another edition of Thinking Logically. I am your co-host, the Podfather, and joined by the newest daddy in town, Dr. Joseph Anthony Corsi. Joe, this is your first week as a father. How are things going over there in Corsiville? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am, I am tired. I'm exhausted. It is a full-time job, but I have to say... Not only my son makes it easy because he only cries when, when he needs fed or changed or something, but my wife makes it very easy on me. Uh, I, she's doing the whole uh, breastfeeding and the pumping. I am, I am not a chest feeder, so not really much I can do for that. But um, I will give you some advice, Mark. Um, if you choose to, to breastfeed, make sure your wife pumps too, because that'll give you some time to feed them too. And it, it is really amazing to just, they open up these big eyes and they look at you and it's, it's just a wonderful feeling. Yeah. But uh, now, it, is, it is exhausting. Yeah. Now, were you referring to your wife as a birthing person throughout this process or? Yes. A birthing yes. person. She, she, okay. is, she is a birthing person. Uh-huh. So, and do you have, uh, do you have pronouns picked out for, for crew? Um, no, we just call him a baby because we don't know if he's going to be a boy or a girl. <laughs> all righty well we are happy for you and uh again first week of fatherhood enjoy the ride yes i cannot wait every day is every day is a new experience and every day is a blessing i love it man great great so we have a great episode for all of you out there before we begin though we we are approaching over 600 downloads across all platforms, which is unbelievable. And we are only eight episodes in. This is our ninth episode. So we thank you all for your support. Uh, over 600 downloads is, is something uh, something special, you know, just because we are so new. We are, we looked at our stats on Apple. I mean, we are across the country. We are in probably close to 20 states by now. We are, we still have a listener in Russia. So whoever is listening in Russia, we thank you and we love you. Stay safe. So, um, yeah, just great numbers. So we appreciate all the support we're getting. Uh, we're getting out there, uh, receiving lots of feedback from all of you, uh, just about the, the episodes, what you'd like to hear about, what you'd like to, for us to talk about, things like that. So uh, we definitely appreciate all of, the, all of the feedback. So let's begin, Joe. Um, do you have your passport uh, by any chance? Yes, it's upstairs secure in my room. Yeah, well, um, who doesn't have a passport right now? Well, Trump didn't, but I guess when I guess they must have given them back or are giving them back. Supposedly, no one ever took them, but that's not to be alive by our fake news media. So apparently he has passports not taken and then they were taken. And we're going to get into that, I guess, right now. It's going to be really fun. So let's dive right into this. So we're going to cover the Trump raid. Also, I'm just seeing now they are releasing this affidavit today, and it's heavily redacted. Um, This is live on CNN. I'm just reading the headline right now. Um, But back to this Trump raid and his passports. So first off, there were multiple outlets that reported that the DOJ or FBI did not take the former president's passports. Um, There was three of them. Now, I'm guessing one of them is a blue passport. That's like the passport that we all have. You know, it's for for travel. And then I'm guessing one of those is a diplomatic passport. I don't know what the other one would be. It was an expired passport. Okay, so it was just an expired passport. So um, all these news agencies said that this never happened. No one ever took the passports. It was a lie. Well, it turned out that the fake news in the end were the ones lying. No surprise there. 
Um, this is from Sean Davis. I think we've been quoting him a lot lately on Twitter. And he said, I called it. Um, Tay from California had the receipts. Uh, this is a reporter, no- Nora O'Donnell, who was insisting that the passports were never taken, but she was C- wrong. CBS Evening News, Nora yes, O'Donnell. Yes, CBS Evening News, Nora O'Donnell. She was stupid enough to buy DOJ's obvious bogus spin, or so dishonest that she knew it was an obvious lie by omission, and she still broadcasted to give the impression the FBI never stole Trump's passport. And here we have a text or an email from the Trump team. It, I mean, I'll just read it. We have learned that the filter agent seized three passports belonging to Trump, two expired, and one being his active diplomatic passport. We are returning them, and we will be ready for, they, they will be ready for pickup at WFO at 2 p.m. today. I am traveling, but you can, can, you can coordinate further. Thanks. And this is from Jay Bratt. I, uh, clearly caught lying again. But So let's get back to this now. After because we were away for a week, but after digesting this for a week, there is now no doubt in my mind that this was just a giant botched fix, fishing expedition to find something at Mar-a-Lago. There's no other doubt in my mind. In my opinion, the media definitely didn't help by blowing this up as big as they did. But I, it raises a question. Number one, why did they take his passports? And why was there a, the start to a coordinated media narrative that they didn't take his passports until Trump released an email from the people. So what's the answer? Does the Department of Justice or the FBI have reason to believe that former President Trump secretly traveled somewhere with his diplomatic passport? That would be interesting, to say the least. Um, But don't forget that this has precedent. With who, you may ask? Mark, you probably know this man better than I do, so why don't you tell our listeners? <laughs> in my previous life as a Democrat and a uh, huge Barack Obama fan back in the day, uh, yeah, if, if you look at what Barack Obama did uh, after President Trump took office, Barack Obama was traveling the world, meeting with world leaders. And I remember, honest to God, I remember this. And I'm thinking... Why is Barack Obama traveling the world and meeting with leaders on a global stage when he's not the president anymore? This is from 2017, November 28, 2017. Obama reemerges on global stage with trip to Asia, France. This is from the Chicago Tribune. And he was opening a three-country tour that included meetings with leaders of China and India, just as President Donald Trump courts those same world powers. So you're telling me that while President Trump is sitting in the White House, Barack Obama is also out there meeting with world leaders. What do you think that Barack Obama was trying to do if he was meeting with the same people President Trump was? The only thing I could possibly think of is that he was trying to undercut or undermine the president and some of his foreign policy. I I really don't know what other purpose these trips would serve after you just spent eight years in the White House. And I'll read you this paragraph. During a five-day trip, Obama will mix paid speeches with foreign leader meetings and even a town hall event for young people, the signature event that Obama became known for around the world during his eight years in office. He'll finish the trip in France, where he'll give one of several speeches planned during the trip. Uh, So, again, he was was meeting with Xi Jinping, uh, who, who... hosted Trump for a high-profile visit only a few weeks earlier. 
So this is back in 2017, this was going on. So there's your precedent for uh, what you just alluded to. Now, number two, we really got to hit at home that on January 20th, Trump got on a plane before noon, before Joe Biden was sworn in, flew to Mar-a-Lago, and then proceeded to just golf for a year and a half. I mean, basically, am I right or am I wrong? You're correct. You're correct. Obama literally gathered his family up and started traveling the world. And they use vacation as like a cover story almost. But it's obvious that you see him on vacation meeting with world leaders. That's um, right. That's a little bit uh, a little bit too much for me to. He was in Indonesia. He was in Italy. He was in um, France, China. So it was almost like he was out there maybe conducting business on behalf of the United States unofficially. But it really seems suspicious to me that, you know, he's out there doing this stuff while President Trump's in office. Talk Um, about why, talk about why though, Joe, Obama was doing that. What would be the purpose of these trips on behalf of Obama? There there can be so many to war game out that we will, we will never finish. He could be, you talked about classified information. Is he going over there and saying, hey, here's here's what Trump's going to try to do. So here's how you can prepare for that. Uh, Trump's going to try to raise tariffs. We know this because we have people still in the White House. Trump might try to raise tariffs on you, Xi Jinping. So just so you know, that might be coming. There, there, it's, it's so much to speculate, but I, I don't think everyone listening can truly understand that basically from mid-2017 to at least at least through 2018, Obama was actively trying to undermine the Trump administration they're, they're, with other foreign leaders too, foreign powers. This isn't like this isn't like Canada either or or Mexico where it's like right on the border. These are countries that are half world away that we don't have the best relationships with, and right. especially now. And and we mentioned 2017, but and also in 2018, in March of that year, Obama embarked on a week long tour of Singapore. New Zealand, Australia, and Japan. And he also met with the Prime Minister of Singapore and New Zealand. What foreign trips did, uh, were made by Trump? In May 2017, he met with uh, Saudis, the Israelis, and the Palestinian leaders on a Middle East trip, followed by then going to the Vatican and then Europe to meet with many world leaders. November of 2017, Trump meets with Prime Minister of Japan, now deceased former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe of Japan, and then the Prime Minister or the President of South Korea followed by a trip to Beijing to meet with Chairman Xi Jinping. And then June 10th, he meets with, um, he attends a summit in Singapore with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. So those are the foreign trips made by Trump. So uh, back to your point, Joe, with Obama. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, real quick, I I missed something else here too. Um, It's also notable that Instead of moving back to Chicago or, you know, where most presidents like George Bush went back to, I believe, Texas, he stayed Obama stayed right in D.C. It's, it's almost like he didn't want to leave D.C. for some reason. It, this is just this is too much. There is something here and we are going to get to the bottom of this. OK, because did you did you remember hearing any of this from 2017, to 2018? Because I know right now if Trump would get on a plane. Assuming none of this raid happened, the raid never happened. If Trump would get on a plane, name a country he could travel to and shake hands with a world leader where he wouldn't be arrested on the plane ride back. Name one. 
you're, you're right. We we like to play this game at the, on this podcast. Replace this name with Donald Trump and what would happen. I do remember hearing about the Obama trips back then, but it was more or less just a blip on the radar. How were they reported? No, How were no, they reported on by our media? No big deal. Right. It was more or less that he's this now, um, you know, diplomat, if you will, on behalf of the United States after he's after he left office. Can you imagine if Donald Trump went to Australia now or went to pick another country like you just said, Indonesia, um, France and met with these world leaders? Number one, they probably wouldn't even meet with them. Um, but if, if, he, if they did, this would be huge news. And you know the angle the media would play, and that is they would say that he is trying to undercut or undermine President Biden's foreign policy. And this, is, this is why we're staying in front of this, because if they do come out and say, hey, we have it right here. Here's Trump's passport. He secretly traveled to this location. Well, OK, big deal. He's allowed to do whatever he wants as a private citizen. Like where again, how did our media miss this coordination with Obama when he was literally a, a shadow president of Trump getting there right before or right after to talk to world leaders before the president? How did our media miss this? You know what? Call up Brian Stelter again. And when he answers the phone, tell him he's fired again. What were they doing during that time? Trying to nail Joe to a freaking wall? Uh, I just, I don't get it. I don't get how our media can give this a pass. <sighs> well, I mean, we all know. We all know. Um, but that's what we're doing here in this podcast. We are calling out the hypocrisy with the media, how it relates to uh, Donald Trump and the Trump administration and the double standard that exists out there. We want to open everyone's eyes to this, to these things, to let everyone know you guys need to wake up and see what's going on out there in the world. There is a complete double standard and the hypocrisy is rampant and it happens on a daily basis and it starts with the media. All right. They're trying to rip us apart. All right. They're trying to rip us apart. Go ahead. It's just, we can, I mean, this all wraps together. Okay. Number one, it raises so many other questions too. Number one, why not just go to his lawyers and ask before raiding his house? Just ask for the passports, ask for whatever, have, have it ready. But if he says no, then raid, whatever. Can, again, we need to see the unredacted affidavit. And, and, and I'm going to read some things here. This is from Kyle Becker on Twitter. It would be the ultimate irony if the search warrant affidavit is so sensitive that it has to remain a state secret. It is actually a few New York Times and Washington Post reports stitched together with some speculation thrown in about nuclear weapon codes being in Melania's walk-in closet. That sounds like it's, you know, satire, and, and but that's what happened during Crossfire Hurricane. That's how they got the FISAs on Trump for the Trump-Russia probe. That's how Mueller was started. Yep. They, they use Washington Post headlines that turn out to be wrong. And, well, and we, can, we can continue here. So... Now the Department of Justice, this is this is from like two, three, two days ago. So they released a heavily redacted version of it, I guess, this morning. But the DOJ opposes the release of the underlying FBI affidavit because it would serve as a roadmap to the government's ongoing investigation, providing specific details about its direction and likely course in a matter that is highly likely to compromise its future investigative steps. Well, I'm sorry, that's that's just not good enough for me um, because. We can, we can move on to the point where they, they had him turn off the cameras. Trump 
I had to turn the Mar-a-Lago cameras off. Do you want to get into that next, or do you want to do you want to bring something up before we even dive into this part of it? Well, in, the, in Donald Trump, uh, we'll say he truthed it. Um, in the raid of Mar-a-Lago, the FBI demanded that all security cameras be turned off. What is that all about? We said no. So um, that was apparently part of their stipulation, and they would not turn off the security cameras. So we'll see. I think I think he wants to release. The security camera footage, does he not? I think I heard that Yeah, in the last day or two, that they are ready to like release this. But depending on how sensitive it, it could be. I, I understand. Like, actually, I don't understand why you would have to have the cameras turned off. Why they would have to be turned well, off. Maybe you can't release the tapes until after the investigate, but why they have to be turned off and you can never see. Are these the same agents that were involved in previous botched FBI operations? And I'm not just talking about what I just mentioned with... um with the Mueller investigation back in 2017, 2018 crossfire. I'm also talking about like, we could go to Michigan. We can go to January 6th. There's, there's lots of evidence. And we're going to get into that next of the FBI being complicit in crimes or baiting people into doing crimes. Are any of these agents from the field office in Detroit? <laughs> I mean, why else turn the camera? Why else say you have to turn the cameras off. You can't have anything, anything on video of our agents going in. It's too weird for me. Right. It, it is. It is very strange. It is very strange. And, and more is going to come out about this. But back to the affidavit. Our boy, uh, Jack Posobiec, Poso, tweeted out three days ago. The DOJ affidavit is based on that New York Times article Maggie Haberman wrote a while back, mixed in with hearsay and innuendo. That's why they won't release it. Screenshot this. And... So he thinks that they are basing the affidavit, which, which is what they're going to release a redacted version of, which gives them basically, you know, how an affidavit works is you're taking this to a judge to give them, you know, I guess probable cause, if you call it, want to call it that, to execute a search warrant. And this is kind of like evidence that they're saying that, you know, reason why they need to go in there. So if this affidavit is based on a New York Times article Maggie Haberman wrote, that, is that wait, real quick. Is that the one else. where they is that the one where she said they they tore up? He was tearing up stuff and fl- trying to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, this, it is might hitting, be. this is just hitting me now. I think it really is. And then there's another response to that. It would be the ultimate irony if the search warrant affidavit that is so sensitive, quote unquote, that it has to remain a state secret is actually a few New York Times, Washington Post reports stitched together with some speculation thrown in about nuclear weapon codes being in Melania's walk-in closet talked about last episode how they raided her closet as well what what would you need to do that for Uh, so very very strange but we'll get to the bottom of this we'll keep digging and we'll keep giving you our takes on that joe do you want to um you know finish up with this topic yeah let's let's just stick with the fbi we're going to move away from the trump raid and another botched fbi thing so this is according to ken uh bensinger on uh on twitter According to an FBI informant, the Michigan State Police allowed armed protesters into the Capitol in Lansing, Michigan, on April 30th, 2020, at the specific request of the FBI, which wanted to de-escalate the situation. And you might remember this video from the pandemic days where everyone broke in and there was actually armed people inside the the Michigan Capitol. No one was shot. No one was killed. No one was hurt. Nothing was nothing was broken, but it was blasted all over the media news. It's crazy right wing people. It's basically the same thing that happened on January 6th. Minus there was armed people, and, and that's it. But why in the hell, 
someone explain it to me as if I woke up every day and ate crayons for breakfast, please. Why in the hell would the FBI want armed people in the Michigan Capitol building? Can, can someone ask them? Can someone get Chris Ray under oath again and ask him in a congressional hearing? This further proves the FBI cannot be trusted. And this is just the beginning. We haven't even gotten to January 6th or anything else yet. OK, now. We, we, I'd love to spend a lot more time. I don't, I don't think we can. But Tucker covered this in the FBI on his show last night. I suggest you give it a watch. Um, he also covered John Fetterman really good, um, which I would suggest you give that a watch as well. But if you've been listening to us, you pretty much know everything that was said about John Fetterman on Tucker's show. So we don't want to brag, but we love being ahead of the mainstream news and people like Tucker Carlson, even if it's by a day or a few hours. Um, so that's all I have. Um, speaking of John Fetterman, do you want to let's let's move on to elections and polls because it is midterm season. We are in the height of midterm season right now. OK, uh, so I have a couple uh, stories here or some updates regarding uh, the midterms. First, uh, we want to refer to the Trafalgar Group, this polling organization that um, we love to, um, you know, refer back to Robert Gahaley, one of the great polling minds in this country. This is a national survey, generic ballot from August 22, this month. The question is, in general, for whom do you plan to vote in the upcoming 2022 congressional election? 46.9% said Republican candidate. 41.6% said Democratic candidate. 11.5% said undecided. So which way will the undecideds break? So that's good news um, for the Republican Party. But the undecideds break for the Democrats. That could mean a, a little bit of trouble. Um, we also have some updates from Alaska. We saw the Alaska primary take place just this past week where Lisa Murkowski, the incumbent Senator from Alaska, uh, almost like a dyna a dynastic, uh, seat there where her family's held, held that Senate seat since like the early 1980s or something like that. Kings her, of the North. Yeah. The Kings of the North. So Alaska changed their primary laws recently where you will not it's not the republican nominee and the democratic nominee square off in november it's the top four candidates the top four vote getters no matter what party you are advancing to the general election in november um murkowski has held the senate seat since 1981 uh, her father before her she took the senate seat in 2002 before her it was her father frank murkowski so that's older longer than we've been alive that lisa murkowski her father have held this seat Lisa Murkowski voted to, I believe she voted to impeach Donald Trump as a Republican. Yes. She was squaring off against her, uh, against her Trump-endorsed rival, Kelly Shabaka, right? So both of these women are advancing now to the general election in November. Lisa Murkowski, this was with 82%. Lisa Murkowski only held a lead of about 6,000 votes. In Alaska, they only had, I don't know, looking here, just in this, not that many people to vote. I mean, there are, Alaska, as you probably know, not many people up there, right? 
So Lisa Murkowski's in for a fight against Kelly Shabaka come November, and it wouldn't shock me at all if Kelly Shabaka pulled off the upset. Um, she does have Trump uh, endorsing her. The other seat up there that the their lone congressional seat, their lone congressional seat, could be going to Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin uh, will advance to the general election in November as well. So I would call her probably the favorite to win in November, their, their lone congressional seat. That would be something if Sarah Palin uh, represents Alaska in the House of Representatives uh, after the November election. So that's one. Uh, do you have anything else on that? On the I just don't understand why they change it like that. It seems very confusing for the voters. Right. Yeah. Thirty-two. So we also go to Ohio, where we are watching this key Senate race. The incumbent Rob Portman, Republican, uh, who is stepping down, battling out for his seat is. Trump-endorsed candidate J.D. Vance, who they based the Netflix movie Hillbilly Elegy after. He will face off against the Democratic nominee Tim Ryan. Right now, Vance has a five-point lead, 47 to 42, over Ryan. This is a key seat. The Republicans cannot afford to lose this seat because if they do, and you're talking now possibly Fetterman beating Oz, now that means... The Senate looks 52-48 in the favor of the Democrats if all other seats hold like they are. The Democrats, or I'm sorry, the Republicans need to win in Pennsylvania. They need to win in Ohio. Ron Johnson is in a fight up in Wisconsin. And Blake Masters somehow needs to beat out the incumbent Mark Kelly down in Arizona. So I'm not as optimistic with the Senate as I am the House. I think the House is all but a done deal. But we need... And when I say we, the Republicans need to take that, need to take the Senate. It's absolutely imperative that the Republicans take control of the Senate or else the last two years of the Biden presidency uh, could be more of the same. So Uh, uh, conspiracy land over here real quick. It's also and I'm going to tell you why. Very important that Mastriano wins governor because let's say Fetterman wins. He's not in the best health stroke-wise. If he needs replaced, I'd have to look this up. Can Pennsylvania's governor appoint a replacement? I don't think there's a – I think he can appoint someone. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. That's a good point. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah we saw – and we'll get to that in a second. But um, we, we finally, with these races, primary season, we just saw the Wyoming primary take place, uh, I believe, on Tuesday. And Liz Cheney got absolutely destroyed in, in the Wyoming primary um, by, her, by her opponent. And thank goodness. And I'm going to read a tweet here from Britt Hume. I wonder if things might have turned out differently for Liz Cheney if she'd used her seat on the January 6th committee to insist on cross-examination of witnesses and a chance for the defense to present its side. Instead, she led the charge for an utterly one-sided presentation. So Liz Cheney also, and I couldn't believe I was hearing this, Wednesday morning they trotted her out there on all the morning shows, on all cable news, you know, poor Liz Cheney, poor Liz, 
right? She said that she's considering running for president in two years. Who in the right mind, at least on the Republican side, is going to vote for Liz Cheney? She got absolutely waxed in Wyoming by Harriet Hegeman. And keep in mind, a lot of Democrats actually crossed over to vote for her, and she still got beat by 40 points. Oh, yeah. Absolutely trounced. So... If poor, you can't win your Liz. state, if you can't win your state, do you, our, our, our listeners aren't going to remember him. Evan McMullen tried this shit in 2016 with Trump. And I, I, I don't even know if he beat, I think it was in, it might've been Utah. I can't I remember. I was going to say state. Utah. Yes. He didn't even beat Hillary Clinton, I don't think. Right. It, it, put it this right. way, it was close. It was close. Trump won like 70% of the It's a waste of time. I say let her run. Let her waste the money. You're only going to divide the Democratic votes. Who, what, 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 what Republican is going to vote for her? The, 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 again, these are another dynasty name, the Cheneys, just like the Bushes, just like the Murkowskis, you were saying. These people have been in power for decades. This isn't how the country's supposed to work. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I agree. But Liz Cheney, hopefully she goes away and we never hear from her again. Um, we, we saw her with her dad, Dick Cheney, Tuesday night uh, on election night, making a final plea. Uh, to voters and then ultimately her concession speech but i never want to see the cheneys ever again in u.s politics They're i, I absolutely want to see her run for president please please liz <laughs> if you're listening do it run run right. please right so all right um we have our next topic joe um okay so we had this in the quickest i'm actually gonna move this to the main topic though I, we discussed because it's it's just it's hilarious so I'm not sure if any of you remember the recall election for, was it Gascon, the LA district attorney? Was it Gascon? I believe his name was, was Gascon. The one that was just basically letting anyone out of jail that committed a violent crime. Well, it turns out that the recall found to have around 200,000 invalid signatures. 200,000. How did they even find that? Because do you, I can't remember if it was, across the country or just in California for their last recall election of Newsom. But it was determined that only, I might be missing a zero here, only 0.002% of mail-in ballots on average are fraudulent. But apparently this one has like 30%. I guess when a Democrat loses, it, it, it's different. I, I don't know. This is, this is insanity. We, our, our elections are third world. 200,000. They finally want to do signature ver- verification, and this is what they find. Go figure. Right. So this is the this is the problem with mail in voting. I mean, we are we've been talking about this and it's just, you know, and you guys could say we're being hypocritical because the Republicans in Pennsylvania actually voted to expand mail in voting a couple years ago, which I fully understand. And I do support mail in voting in some instances, like if you physically cannot make it to the polls on election day, if you are, you know, you just are handicapped or, you know, you're just, and there are a lot of senior citizens out there that can't, can't get there. I understand that. But to have blanket mail-in voting, if anyone wants them a ballot can have one, it's just, it opens it up to so much fraud. I don't understand how people can't see this with mail-in voting. It's just, I, I just, it adds to the chaos to our election process. And it's why we don't know who wins for for several weeks now. This is the state of our country. This is the state of our elections. But go ahead. 
I mean, you're, you're not wrong. This is, again, when we had Will on, we talked about the Iraqi elections. This, 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 it's comical. We don't have, we definitely don't have transparent elections. We, we probably don't have free elections. And this isn't just a California problem, okay? So this can happen here in Pennsylvania this November. We, you have to watch it. And the most important thing, in my opinion, is don't do the mail-in vote. Hold your vote until actual election day. Because if there is cheating, that would make it so hard, much harder for whoever's doing it to cheat because they don't know. I think that's what you saw in Arizona with Carly Lake. Carrie Lake. She was, she was winning. And then it was, they, they just stood around and said, we don't have a winner yet anymore. And they stood around for two days and probably stared at each other and probably thought, should we try to cheat here? If we, there's a lot of eyes on us, we might get caught. Or do we just have to give this race to her? It's just weird, man. This shouldn't happen in America where it takes two, three, four, five, six days to find the results. And sometimes even months when they go back and say, ah, never mind. We had 200,000 wrong signatures. Where was the, where was the signature verification in Georgia for 2020? Or for, yeah, for 2020. Where was right. that? At? It's just, I mean, I, we could talk about it all day, but um, just, I, I don't know how we get out of this mess. So that's the thing that I, I try to wrap my head around. Where, how are we going to get out from this mail-in voting catastrophe that we have ourselves in right now? How do we get to a point where only the people that need to vote by mail can vote by mail? You know, we are beyond the pandemic. All right. Let's get back to voting in person. All right. And if you need a mail-in ballot, then, then, okay. You know, maybe you have to show some sort of, you know, causation is why you need that ballot. Some proof as to why you need a mail-in ballot. But it just doesn't make sense. And it just leads to utter chaos. And, and we got to get rid of the machines. Out of this. Machines I mean, it's, in, it's a law in Pennsylvania. So I don't know how they're going to, how they're going to, basically get rid of that you would have to hope for a republican senate republican house and doug mastriano to win the governor to maybe see this go away i I think the first two happen you got to get mastriano in there because if shapiro josh shapiro gets put in there you we will have melon voting forever right forever this keep in mind we only have melon voting on mass because of a pandemic that in hindsight was looks like they just used it to because it was an easier way to cheat hey you can't be six you have to be six feet away you can't walk how do you how do you how are you a poll watcher if you can't get six feet if you have to stay six feet away from everyone right i mean the rules it was it was set up like this it was a coordinated effort in my mind i'm not you know i'm sorry but they changed all all the rules especially in pennsylvania for the 2020 election to allow this and what did we have we had donald trump on election night, 2020, up by a few, what, 100,000 votes, or I don't even know how many. And then the next day at four in the morning, a giant dump of mail-in votes. And it wasn't just Pennsylvania. It was in a lot of states, a lot of states that actually stopped counting on that night right. for the first time ever. It's just we could spend a whole episode on it. We could, we could spend a whole week on it. Yep. I mean, I, I guess I could, and I've mentioned this before on here, all the mail-in votes have to be counted by election day. I mean, that's it. I mean, by the time the polls close, every single mail-in ballot should be counted. No more, no more dumps at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m. No more stopping the counting. 
Every single mail-in ballot gets counted before the polls close. Case closed. I think we would see, you know, a little bit more efficiency there, a little bit less confusion if you ask me, but we'll see if we'll see if there's any change to that. All right. All right. Let's next, do um let's up. go to conspiracy land over here. We're gonna we're gonna travel to conspiracy land and then we're gonna move on to the crickets. So this is coming from someone who told me to look into this a while ago. Mark, do you remember who Jackie Walorski was? The I think she was a House member, Republican House member from Indiana that was killed in that weird car crash a few weeks back. Yes, I remember hearing about this. Okay, so someone kept on messaging me, hey, can you look into this? My uh, I think it was his sister-in-law I had a couple questions about it. And it took me down a few rabbit holes. I really couldn't find anything solid. And then, oddly enough, right after, got into a car crash. And I think she ended up dying. But uh, I thought that was weird because you see the video. She's on a gurney. She supposedly burned really bad. And she tries to, she jumps out of the gurney and tries to, like, tries to run away. So I thought that was weird. So it got me, um, it got me looking into that and, Here's what I found. This is from someone else, probably much more intelligent than me on Twitter. Um, he's probably not a real doctor. He has like 600 followers. But Dr. Masab Haraway, do you know that Jackie Walorski was a Christian missionary in Roma- Romania cooperating on investigations into child sex trafficking, who after returning to the United States and being elected to the U.S. Congress, sponsored the Human Trafficking Prevention Intervention Recovery Act of 2014, who during the past year, was in contact with Hollywood actress, wait for it, Anne Heck, who during the past year was making a movie, The Girl in Room 13, about sex slavery and trafficking. Now do you know why Jackie Walorski and Anne Heck are dead? Okay, that is something that we're going to have to look at. And I did text this because this has been a conspiracy theory for a long time. Models of cars after 2014 can be hacked into and they hackers, I guess, can take control. There's there's an article on this too um, from Wired.com. Can take control of your vehicle. So this person um, who I suggested in the past, and I was looked at like crazy, is suggesting that Jackie Walorski on August third and Han Heck on August fifth, um, both were in speeding cars that that um, cars that out of the blue just started speeding and changing directions. Then boom, he says, I don't know, man. It just sucks. Could be some technical stuff. It's it's a lot, man. And if you watch the videos, it's it's crazy. That um, is a lot. That is a lot. And and that's funny you mentioned that because this is the first time we've talked about this. Um, but I watch a show on Apple TV Plus called Tehran, and it is about um, basically the uh, it's like an Israeli spy show. Basically, you know the Israeli version of the CIA called I believe it's um, Mossad. Mm-hmm is in is basically the, the plot of the show is they they're trying to infiltrate the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. And um, in this past season, this was season two, they hack into the Iranian Revolutionary Commanders, the commander of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, his son's car. And the father and son are doing this like car race. Well, they hack into the car and they crash the car in a high speed race and the car goes flying over a hillside and the sun dies in the show. But it's funny you mentioned that. And you know, not everything you see on TV is fictional. I mean, if that can, 
It, it wouldn't shock me at all. If that you just blew that my happened. mind because I'm thinking of Tiger Woods, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart flew off a cliff. What happened? So did Tiger Woods. I mean, that just that just got me. That just blew my mind right there. I'm thinking of all these car accidents that have happened. Remember, Mike Pence got into two car accidents in Pittsburgh, in uh, right like a couple weeks before the the election in 2020. Yeah, his, his I remember. I have the article. His motorcade got into two back to back car accidents. I'm not saying that that it was that, but this is this is a lot. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to note this one, and and I'm gonna have to follow up on this because this is this is a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. You are correct. But all right. Well, I think we're approaching the hour mark slowly but surely here. So we're gonna move over to the quick hits and. Uh, the first one, I, I got to ask, why in the hell? And this is every time. I, I'm just going to keep on asking. Why does Joe Biden always cough into his hand? Give a sh- Well, first of all, he has his mask on. He'll take his mask off, cough into his hand, give a short, incoherent speech, sign what he thinks is probably a freaking coloring book, and then he'll hand the snotty pen to someone and proceed to shake hands with everyone else. Why, why is this keeping on happening? I mean... No, thank God the CDC changed their their guidelines. I, I guess that keeps them safe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's talk about the price of electric vehicles. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, in, in the new uh, uh, Inflation Production Act, there is a tax credit in this bill for seven thousand five hundred dollars. So that means if you go and buy a electric vehicles to so say you go buy we'll just say a tesla and it costs fifty thousand dollars to buy the tesla you will receive a tax credit for seventy five hundred dollars so uh what did uh ford do as soon as this bill was passed they raised the price of electric vehicles by eighty five hundred dollars basically offsetting the tax credit making it go joe what why not sixty five hundred <laughs> You know what? When I heard this the other day, I was looking up electric vehicles just out of curiosity. And it is tough to find an electric vehicle. I mean, you probably won't unless it's like very, very used for under $30,000. I think the like the new the newest, cheapest electric vehicle you could find is for like around 30 grand. And I think that's that Chevy Bolt. I believe it is like a mini like SUV. So. Um, if you want the tax credit, uh, it's it's in law now, so you could try to get that um, on your taxes next year. Get a tax credit, and I believe in twenty twenty four, that will come off as a straight um, straight reduction off the sticker price. So it won't be a tax reduction; it'll just come off the price of the vehicle, which is nice. You know, I will admit, but we'll see if electric vehicles become more affordable because right now they aren't for the average American. So. Uh, moving on, you want to talk about uh, hiding Biden over the Afghanistan anniversary? Okay, so I was I was really excited to watch the coverage on the Afghanistan year anniversary, and um, if if there's one thing I noticed, I was hoping Biden would make a speech or at least talk about it. But and this is from Zach Zeke Miller on on Twitter. Per the FAA, Biden plans to be in Wilmington, Delaware, from Tuesday to Friday. This is you know today he's going to be. They were talking this Tuesday to this Friday after he leaves Kahawa Island, South Carolina. The White House hasn't publicly released his vacation schedule. So this guy on the year-long anniversary of Afghanistan comes home from one vacation, stops, 
signs what I believe was the Inflation Production Inflation Reduction Production Act, whatever you want to call it, and then gets on another plane without Jill Biden now because she has COVID and goes on another vacation back to Wilmington, Delaware. And OK, whatever. Fine. I, I guess I could just watch the CNN and see what they say. Well, they actually did cover it. They covered Kabul falling, everything else. But they they did this. They covered this whole debacle without mentioning Joe Biden. One time, Fox News may have. I don't really watch Fox News, but they did it without mentioning the president's name. It tells you what they're doing. They're setting a narrative where they're going to eventually blame this on someone else. So it's it's. Well, yeah. I mean, we said that in the last podcast. We said by 2024, the election time, this will be out of everyone's minds. You won't hear about it. And then you said. This will be blamed on Donald Trump somehow by the time the next election rolls around, because, you know, we can't have this being brought up again, that this was one of the greatest foreign policy blunders, probably in American history. When you when you talk about arming the Taliban with pretty much everything we've had in Afghanistan for the last 18 years. Here you go. Handing it all to them. So it's college football season. They now have a top 25 military, the Taliban, who is hiding in caves in 2020. The Taliban trending upwards. They could make the playoff. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Who would it be? China, United States, Russia? Would would it be? That would be crazy if the Taliban made the college playoff and and faced (laughs) off against. I guess they couldn't. I mean, they beat the USA, I guess, earlier in the season. Or I don't know if you want to say that. Yeah. Well, they they would be. It would be like a four or five seed. Um playing game between ukraine and the taliban because yeah, ukraine, oh yeah yes forgot about ukraine forgot about now ukraine. is about 50 or 60 billion dollars in, in u.s military equipment that'd be that'd be a nice 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 shit on there oh yeah so all right that's what these um, neocons that's what these neocons want and everyone else wants that we're joking about it that's what these people probably actually want to see happen though yeah so. oh i'm sure and you know the dick cheney's of the world you know just seeing going back just it's nauseating just seeing liz cheney next to her decrepit looking father just you know these neocons that that love these love war these traditional republicans that love war that love you know deficit spending and all that stuff like that and just you know enriching people off of military contracts um now we see that's the opposite party doing that um but don't get it twisted some republicans are, are still like that as well but um, all right, let's go on to the January 6th pipe bomber you have. OK, so um, this this is going to basically nuke everything they have about the January 6th. Keep in mind, this January 6th pipe bomber is still out on the loose. We don't know who he is. We have him on on camera carrying a cell phone, which I guess they don't. I've watched the show 24 Jack Bauer. They must not triangulate cell phones anymore. So this guy shouldn't be that hard to find. But here it is. Twenty some months later, still out. But these are five five points about it and this is from revolver um news this is very very good uh very good um reference point here revolver news has some good articles on this the pipe bombs according to the capitol police chief stephen sund and inspector general were planted as a diversion to distract law enforcement shortly before 1 p.m on january 6th when the breach of the capitol's perimeter was keep on this is when the breach of the capitol's perimeter was just getting started that day According to the official timeline, the breach started just one minute after Capitol Police were informed about the pipe bombs, just two to three city blocks away. That's point one. Point two, the pipe bomber used an old-fashioned mechanical timer with a one-hour max time setting, but planted the bombs at roughly 8 p.m. the night before January 6th. That's 17 hours before they were found. Hmm, odd. Point three, the pipe bombs were constructed with no remote detonation ability, meaning their purpose as a diversion relied solely on the 
luck, and I'm using quotations, of being found at the right time. And that was between noon and 1 p.m. And that was to match the one-hour timer appearing to target the 1 p.m. congressional certification vote on our election. You know, the one where they stopped the vote seven in seven different states? <laughs> now, point four. The first pipe bomb was found at 12.40 p.m. with 20 minutes left on the timer, perfectly matching the exact timing needed to both divert police as the breach began at 12.50 and to convince the police that the, the bomb was timed to the 1 p.m. congressional vote. And the kicker, the timer didn't have 20 minutes left. It was left stuck on the 20-minute dial. And this isn't from Revolver. Maybe it is later in the article. But I believe it was Kamala's Secret Service that or something, Kamala's security, private security, that, that found this pipe bomb. <laughs> it, it, it was. That, that's a lot for me, man. The that, craziest coincidence of the century. By, by far. Weird. And when you stack up all these things about the um, the FBI Michigan plot thing, don't forget they were trying to use explosive device and get people. They had, I think, seven agents there uh, with, with two people. They were trying to explain to them how to use, how to build explosives. These people had no idea. They were, they were. Uh, it's just, we're trying Wild to frame, man. we're trying to frame citizens in Michigan and you got this stuff going on arrest the pipe bomber he's on video wearing a ski mask with a cell phone figure it out FBI the good old FBI yeah. all right um, before you wrap up I think you have one interesting article left here that um, needs to be oh yeah talked about um, I have a tweeter from Tulsi Gabbard and she sums up basically what I've been saying on this podcast since day one. The greatest threat to our democracy is not Trump voters or parents protesting at school board meetings, but the permanent Washington elite, which has weaponized the government and teamed up with corporate media to intimidate and silence those who dare to disagree with them. If you cannot get on board with that quote, then you need to look yourself in the mirror straight up because she sums it up perfectly. She sums it up perfectly. And um, we all need to wake up. We all need to wake up in this country and, and realize what's going on. We, we need to realize what's going on. And like Jack Posobiec says, understand what part of the movie you're in right now. Understand what part of the movie you are in. Take it away, Joe. I mean, I'm going to read this next headline and you're going to say what, what freaking movie is this? Okay, so this is from the Daily Mail. Uh, I believe they're a, you know, a, a United Kingdom outlet. Now China starts swabbing fish. Officials bent on imposing country zero COVID policy are seen testing daily catches over fears of contact with overseas vessels. And you got to watch the video. They're swabbing, they're pulling fish out, and they're swabbing them. Mark. Fish don't have lungs. How are they going to carry COVID? <laughs> I think they also said they're testing cherries. Cherries get use the sun to breathe and photosynthesis. Is this, so it raises a lot of questions. Is COVID a blood disease? Is it a, is it a yeah. respiratory disease? This is not a joke. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at a video right here. China's zero COVID officials swab fish caught on overseas vessels. <laughs> I mean, what? What's going on? What's going know. on? Imagine living in China right now. Imagine being there. Actually, not right now. For the last two and a half years. Your life would be 
absolute torture. Miserable. It could be like that here if we don't fight. And and that's gonna be that's gonna bring my closing remarks here. And then Mark, you could take it away after that. But here are my closing thoughts. So if you are still unvaccinated for COVID-19 and you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to stop everything you are doing. Stop, stop everything you are doing. Take a minute and give yourself a hand. And I, I mean it. And I mean it for so many reasons. For one, you now know how you would have acted if you lived in Nazi Germany during World War II. Sure, some of your neighbors might have ratted you out and there's a chance you would have wound up dead in a concentration camp. But at least you can say you are a free thinker, okay? You are the people that can't be easily fooled. The ones that slip the propaganda from the paid shill medical experts or the fake news media heads like Rachel Maddow who said you won't, you can't spread COVID once you get these vaccines. And unlike Alex Jones, she'll never be sued for her show's lies. Most importantly, though, you stood up to our own fascist, tyrannical government. And somehow, some way, you crazy, unvaccinated conspiracy theorists are still alive. You're traveling around the country. You're probably not wearing a mask. And most importantly, you're not playing the game anymore. Not, not many people know this, but you deserve everyone else's thanks. Because remember, it's because of people like you, we now have a control group in this crazy experiment. So I say, going forward, let's start to hold some people responsible. I don't care, even if that means having a Nuremberg 2.0. Because excuses like, I was just following orders or I was just doing my job, that's not going to be good enough moving forward for me. That's all I have to say, Mark. Great point, Joe. Excellent point. Um, but, and I just want to r- wrap up with uh, two things. Number one, Brian Stelter out at CNN uh, as his media criticism show, Reliable Sources, is canceled. And uh, we know that probably Dan Bongino's having a party, probably popped a bottle of champagne last night. He has been railing against Brian Stelter, the pathetic Brian Stelter, on CNN for many months now. So he is out at CNN, fired. Uh, CNN goes to more news rather than um, political opinion. And finally, uh, we, you know, someone said to me the other day, I think we need a true third party in this country. We need a third party. And maybe that party is what we've been talking about on this podcast since day one, an America first party. The rise of of an America first party is happening, guys. It's happening every election, every Every, you know, pro-America first candidate is winning these races. And you may see a true America first party emerge um, in the next few years here in this country. And that's all we want. We want Americans to be put first, not last. So that's all I got, guys. Uh, Joe, do you, have, do you want to finish with your question of the week? Um, I think I actually hinted at it in the thing. But if Alex Jones was sued for telling falsehoods about Sandy Hook, where are the people that told us falsehoods about the vaccine? Why are they not being sued? Anyone? Anyone out there? I, just please. Because at least Alex Jones is, says he's not real news. I mean, he's supposed to be entertainment or opinion. I hear this stuff on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News on the morning show. That's supposed to be nothing but news coverage. And from medical experts. And it turns out that we've been lied to, ladies and gentlemen, for a good two and a half years. So let's get to the bottom of this. Mark, that's all I have. Play us out. 
All right. Thank you all for listening to another edition of Thinking Logically. We will be back next week with all new episodes. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.